Man, it is so good to hear that music. We are back. We are live. Dynasty Saturday Night 5, Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast and the Going for Two Live Network here on the Going for Two Live YouTube channel. Please subscribe, rate, and review to the uh, Going for Two Live audio feed. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel here. Like the video, comment, bells for notifications, all that jazz. Feed the algorithm monster what it must be fed. It's been a while. Josh, how you doing? Good. You know, that music does come in a little bit louder than everything else, but it's a good wake-up call. Get my ADHD brain in the, in the <laughs> mood to go live. So it's yeah. good to hear that again. It's good to be back. Uh, honestly, a much-needed hiatus we had, but it's really good to be back. Perfect time of the year. We're about halfway through. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, um, we really thank folks for having uh, the patience with us. We had... Um, you know, uh, some shows that just we we had to cancel. We had a, a, a pre-record one week, just life getting really lifey, you know. And, um, you know, I don't want to speak for anybody else but but myself. But, you know, it, it's it's important that we that we, you know, prioritize things, you know, as much as I love fantasy football and spend probably way too much time on it. You know, I had some really rough mental health stuff. I had covid. Um, I had some life stuff come up. Um I was in uh, I was in DC you know, on a march trying to stop a genocide, you know. Like these things are are uh, are, are are more important than than fantasy football, and uh, you know, um, and it's also important to remember that on the other side of you know the keyboards and the screens and things like that, when we're in our fantasy football leagues and, and on Twitter, are other human beings who are holding a lot and have you know work and life and mental health and all these things that that we've been dealing with, you know, um, the, the last few weeks. All right. Well, um, it's been a year. I mean, it's been a weird year. It's been a season, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's been a time. Um, so it's weird, right? Like, so it's like week 10 and I'm, it's like, it's almost like I'm still waiting for the season to start because I'm like, Oh, this can't be real. This can't be real. Oh, this guy's injured. Oh, this person's been, like and it's like, nah. This is what the NFL is now. It's injuries, it's low scores, it's um, you know unders hitting and underdogs not covering, and um, defense is playing in such a way that limits explosive plays, uh, promotes intermediate passes. Which, by the way, quarterbacks aren't completing at any higher rate, even though they're being given those intermediate passes to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just been ugly and weird, and it's been a tough season for me to really wrap my mind around. Maybe because I've been going through all this life stuff too, but um, yeah, what are your thoughts so far on, on what's been going on? The main things that caught to my attention listening to you just now is it's really going to change, I think, how I draft moving forward because the few teams that I'm really struggling in are teams that actually paid up. I you know, just said screw rounds 14 through 20. I'm going to try and get the top guys. They get hurt. Now my bench is like pretty ugly and I'm not, I, you know, I got Brandon Powell in a super flex spot in one of my leagues. So it's mm. like, 
you know, what, what are we doing here? So I think if anything, I'm just going to, I'm going to give it the rest of the year, see how it turns out, but I'm definitely going to reevaluate and I'm going to talk about a few things to reevaluate through the points, but definitely going to reevaluate how I move forward and just expect a lot more injury turnover seems to be the way that's headed. So, and I think the NFL is catching up with that. So all I was about, I was going to recite a list of prominent players who have missed time from either injury or holdout or both. And like, I was going to go position by position and it's, it would take the entire hour of our episode. Like I, I know injuries are always a thing. And I know every year we say, gee, these injuries seem like, but every year it seems like there's, there's more injuries and, and, you know, there's, Shorter preseason and, and lack of two-a-days, and a lot of the boomers will tell you that, you know, the players are soft now or whatever. And teams, are, you know, I think it's more a function of teams being a lot more careful with their multi-million dollar investments and and the culture around, um, like, the concussion scandal and that sort of thing. But, like, 60% of the league is questionable every week, and uh, everybody's missed time. And, like, injuries, buys, it's just effing ugly out there. So, like, I almost wanted to name this episode Everything Everywhere is Awful All the Time. <laughs> I have just had a terrible time keeping track of and watching NFL football this year. Um, but also, like, then it makes it where it's interesting. Like, okay, so, like, how do I adapt and where do I find the edge, you know? Yeah, I've luckily I've been able to kind of take advantage of it, not so much in DFS, but more in the betting market. You know, seeing some of these new guys come in, have – you know, don't expect much from Tommy Bajan or or Devitos, guys like that. So I've just been trying it to might as well like be that. Tommy Bajan, right? Like just blend them all together, right? Yeah, I got his first name right. I realized I got Tommy DeVito and uh Tyson Bajan mixed up. But yeah, it's it's been weird. I thought last year the quarterback situation got bad, but it's gotten even worse this year. So I don't I don't know. It's been kind of tough to watch, but it's been kind of fun at the same time seeing some new people out there, seeing what they got get a chance so what we're going to do with this episode essentially is um do the whole list of five thing we we use lists of five as a vehicle to just have a you know fun way to talk about dynasty fantasy football and we're going to do that you know mainly with just like our observations on what's been going on this year and then maybe you know some thoughts on like how to move forward based on those uh based on those observations so before we get to our lists of five let's pay the bills underdog certainly got a lot of money from me this summer uh and they are the sponsor of today's show. They got everything. They got sports besides football. They got DFS now. The best ball season and hot best ball summer is over. You know, they've got uh, the DFS streets. Um, they've got pickums. you know, for folks who are in states where, where that's legal. It's weird, right? Because in Jersey, we have sports gambling that's legal. We have DFS that's legal. But we don't have... But the Pickums, the daily fantasy sports betting, is I can't I can't access it. It's weird. But anyway, if you're in one of those states and you're lucky enough, head on over there and and do some Pickums as well. So why am I talking about this? If you are a new account on Underdog, you can um, deposit as much as you want, and Underdog will match up to a hundred dollars of that deposit if. You use the promo code GF2. If you're watching here on video, we have this, you know, nice shiny QR code that you can scan. Uh, go to go um, go to underdog.com, uh, the underdog app as well, whatever you want to do. 
you know, put that first deposit in. They'll match up to $100. Promo code GF2. Put some money down. Start playing. Get some action. Maybe even start winning. All right, Josh, you want to start us off with our lists of five on this miserable <laughs> NFL season now that nobody's listening anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I'll start off with what I just mentioned. Uh, the first point I have is that uh, bad quarterback play and injuries are trickling down better than Reaganomics ever dreamed of. <laughs> uh, so a few of the main injured quarterbacks, you probably all know, just a reminder, we got Justin Fields, who's missed time, Anthony Richardson out for the year. Deshaun Watson's been really bad. Daniel Jones, towards ACL. Kirk Cousins is out for the year. Stafford and then Aaron Rodgers. And, like, that's really affected a lot more than just the value you get from them. I mean, Justin Jefferson went from from when he first got hurt saying he'd try to be back in five to six weeks to now saying he's not trying to rush back. You know, it makes sense for him. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame him. Richardson could be an injury risk moving forward. He did have surgery on his throwing shoulder. I don't know how long it's going to take to build that back up or if there's a chance of re-injury. I, d- I didn't move him down or anything, but these are going to be conversations moving forward. Uh, the weird thing about that, though, it did actually boost uh, the value of Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor, him going down, a lot more touchdown chances for them. Uh, the Daniel Jones injury really killed Saquon, and all of their slot receivers are basically useless outside of maybe Wandale. You know, with Daniel Jones, you could have thrown them in for a bye week replacement, but now it just feels like, especially with Waller hurt, you have no one to go to on that. And Saquon, you don't even feel great about it where you got him because you know they're going to be stacking the box. Um Watson's killed the value of Amari Cooper and David Njoku. He's finally got it going, but it took PJ Walker to get that started. And honestly, the biggest injury blow is probably Matthew Stafford getting hurt because Puka, Puka Nakua went through one of the biggest ascensions I've ever seen from a rookie from where he was drafted to where he is now. And with Brett Rippon, even if they go get somebody else, I don't know if they signed Wentz or if that was just a rumor, but either way, I think Cup's going to be fine, but I think it's going to be a pretty big hit for Nakua for this year. And then Garrett Wilson went from being a top 10 wide receiver to solely based on volume from Zach Wilson, who's pretty terrible. And that's also affected Brees Hall, too, because they're not afraid of Zach Wilson throwing. So it's it's really done a number to fantasy football and a lot more angles than just you losing a quarterback. Yeah, for oh, for sure. Absolutely. And it's, um, you know, because – I love DFS. I've been getting more into it. Um, you know, I took a break uh, week nine. I just, you know, just wasn't able to do it. Just, you know, COVID and the political stuff that I was doing is, you know, prepping for the march and all that. But, um, yeah, it's like I'll sit there and be like, all right, well, oh, no. All right, well, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you're you're really sort of having to get creative to find, like, the edge of, of who of what players are, are going to do well and that you know and the, and the trickle down is a very very interesting way of, of, of putting it i'll i'll vault from that into my quarterback point which is very similar and that is i just hate quarterbacks like there's so few quarterbacks that we can truly trust uh and the gap between the sort of elite quarterbacks that we thought um and, and everybody else in a way has gotten smaller, but also it's more important to have them, I think. So what do I mean by that? Well, especially in the first few weeks of the season before Mahomes and Kelsey really went off in what was that, like week six or seven, maybe something like that, right? The the the, the elite quarterbacks that people were taking, the top three or four quarterbacks that had that, that rushing 
added to them weren't delivering, especially weren't delivering relative to the rest of the pack, right? Quarterback performance, quarterback scoring was pretty flat. We were in the DFS streets uh, every week saying, oh, I might as well pay down, you know, to like a $5,800 quarterback because nobody at the top is really giving me anything, anything extra. Um, and, And I looked down my list of my rankings of like, how many quarterbacks do I truly love? And am I truly comfortable with in my dynasty roster now, me and Jesse on Dynasty Fever, we talk about quarterback circle of trust. It's like I got the top four, you know, Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Lamar. Got Joe Burrow. Justin Herbert. Without Mike Williams and with Kellen Moore's offense not firing on all cylinders. Right? Uh, Trevor Lawrence, again, love him, the talent. I think he'll grow into being like a top five quarterback at some point. But he hasn't been setting the world on fire. Richardson out with the shoulder. CJ Stroud, okay, great. And I think people are like now calling him like top five, top three quarterback. Like, let's relax, you know. But but still, you know, okay, he's he's in the circle of trust. Tua doesn't rush. And you take him out of that off. Like he's a quarterback. I guess that here's the point I'm making. How many quarterbacks are truly the team does well and their other pieces on the fantasy uh, fantasy wise do well because of them or just with them. And in some ways, despite them, right. Kyler just coming back, you know, from the injury, um, you know, a uh, new offense. We don't know how it's going to look with him in it. Fields has struggled. Dak is starting to turn it on, but again, you know, like, and now you're getting down to like, you know, Deshaun Watson, Bryce Young, Jared Goff, Stafford, Purdy, Howell, Geno, Russ. Like, like, I don't want any of these guys. Like, it's all flat. It's all like, yeah, right? So, in other words, the circle of trust is small. And as you pointed out, it's trickling down to other pieces. And, you know, maybe that window of like, oh, now you're supposed to like, you know, in the redraft streets, now you're supposed to uh, draft quarterbacks a little higher and you don't have to wait on them. It might be over now. Like the the gap between, but here's the thing. The problem is like, and I'm kind of all over the place because we're rusty, but like (laughs) um, any of those four guys can go off and break fantasy and maybe even burrow sometimes too. So having them is important, but they're not delivering the way that we wanted them to. Yeah, the thing about those quarterbacks, them being disappointing is still 20 points a game. It's just not the 28, 30 points a game you get. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think with these other quarterbacks, like you'll have some a few boom weeks where they get 25, 30 points, but you're also going to get some games where it's like 6 to 10 points, and you're just not going to get that with the top guys because they either have a rushing floor that's high enough or they're in, they're just good enough or in good enough situation where you know their talent will win out. So I think that's it, but I do think it is diminishing, but I think it's also – like you said, makes it more important to get those because it gives you that very solid floor. So believe it or not, second chance, uh, in-season, mid-season, degenerate startup drafts are around the corner. <laughs> um, you're in the you're in the first round of a, of a you know usual superflex startup draft. How many quarterbacks do you think should go before the first non-quarterback? I've always been a stubborn superflex boomer saying, hell, I'll take 10 or 12 before I touch Jefferson or Chase. 
I'm, uh, I'm with four, five, maybe. Let's maybe? see. I'm looking at it here. Depend. Before Jamar Chase, because I I moved Jamar Chase up ahead of uh, yeah. Jefferson. Now I don't know what five. Yeah, yeah. five. Joe yeah. Burrow's where I cut it off, and yeah, then yeah. after that it's Herbert Fields, and I have Stroud at eight, which I'll talk about later. But yeah, like, I still I think I would take Jamar Chase, even Christian McCaffrey over them. McCaffrey's right. getting thirty points a game. Thing about thing about Stroud is, listen, don't get me wrong. Like I'm not trying to pour cold water on him and be and be just contrarian for contrarian's purpose, right? But you know, I mean, he had a very good matchup with Tampa Bay last week when when he blew up, and the offensive coordinator Slovic, who I think we all underestimated, finally said like, okay. Okay, well, this whole like trying to run thing just ain't working with the offensive line we have, and with the way that Damian Pierce runs, he's more fit for like power running and gap than he is for a zone scheme. So basically, we have to pass, right? And they they threw 19 first down passes against Tampa Bay, right? And I don't want to say that Stroud is a system quarterback because he delivers the ball very well, and he, he's far exceeding what people thought he'd do in the first few weeks. But he also does have a really good offensive coordinator who understands getting out the ball quickly and basically like in a Shanahan system, every play is a running play, right? It's just a matter of you may be throwing it, but it's really a running play because you're getting it to a guy in space to get yak, right? That's what they do, right? So even then, he's not really like what I would say an elite talent. I'd say he's a very good NFL quarterback who also, by the way, doesn't add much rushing upside. So like... You know, like let's let's pump the brakes with he's a top five quarterback. All right, so my second one, I'm just gonna jump into that one. You know, please do. We're we're lingering here on the quarterbacks. Go ahead. We don't. I don't. I disagree with you that he's not. I think he is an elite talent. I don't think he's top five yet. And I don't have him there. I have him to start out. I have him ranked eighth. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, have I have him nine. So it's not like I'm I'm pissed. Yeah, him I have him ahead of Tua and Anthony Richardson, who I had to bump down a little bit, uh, and then ahead of Lawrence too right now. So, like, I'm happy with him at the end of the first of a new rookie draft. But oh, this is one him, of your things. C.J. Stroud is him. Yeah, this is oh, yeah, C.J. Stroud and see this him. on the this show is, sheet. All right, all right, good. Let's yeah, have this one. <laughs> No, that's all I was saying. I put this in last second, so I, yeah, yeah, the one yeah. I didn't have ready. Yeah. All right, yeah, so I'll just start off with some of the things he's doing so far this year as a rookie. He's fifth in points per game. I always look at points per game instead of total points. He has 19.7. He's ahead of Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, Tua, Justin Fields, Richardson, who was going above him in rookie drafts, and Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has 14 touchdowns and one interception is a pretty good, insane rookie year for someone to put up in an entire season it's only halfway through the year the reason a lot of the reason is because they cannot run the ball to save their lives i don't think it's damian pierce's job I th- looking at his tape he's still a really good runner it's just not a good system for him and their offensive line is terrible mm-hmm. but he's already set rookie records for passing yards in a game 470 the last game you said passer rating and he became only the sixth player ever not just a rookie to throw for 450 yards and five touchdowns and no interceptions mm. So, I mean, he's coming in and just lighting it on fire. He's in the perfect situation to do that. And I'll say, I don't think Bryce Young in the situation would be near as good as CJ Stroud. I think he walked mm-hmm. into the perfect setup, the perfect offense. He has better weapons. He has a coach that trusts him. And he has good young weapons to build around, like Tankdale and Nico Collins, who's breaking out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good young core to work with for a year or two. They can just keep getting better together. And the thing I like the most 
outside of his decision-making, because he only has one interception, his ability to progress through reads. It is a quick system, and if that first read's not there, he's able to move to the next, move to Schultz, move to Tank Dell, yeah. and move in the pocket to avoid sacks, because their offensive line isn't good. It was kind of bad earlier, but he's gotten better as the year went on. And I think he just looks better than Bryce Young and even Anthony Richardson, who you know, just relied on his speed and running to get some footwork. So I moved him ahead. I'm comfortable with him at QB8, and if he keeps doing this throughout the year as defenses try to adjust, I'll move him up a little more probably. <clears throat> but I still have Fields ahead of him because I really like Justin Fields, and I think for fantasy with his rushing, I think he's just as good, if not better. So that's interesting. Pump the yeah. brakes a little bit, yeah. yeah. I love I love Fields, and I've been defending him for a while. But I, I def I have him I have him twelve, and I have and I have Stroud nine. The, so I guess for, for me, when I say he's not elite, I think he's a very good thrower of the football. I think, mm-hmm. again, it's gr- it's a great fit with the offense and all that. What I'm saying is, like, we're going to value him as much as Joe Burrow. I don't think we're ever going to say he's – I'll give up five first-round picks for him the way that we might for a Jalen Hurts, a Josh Allen, or a Patrick Mahomes. Is that is that fair? Yeah. Okay. All right. Unless he gains, like, some rushing and they start – you know, he can – clearly get you 400 yards and three or four touchdowns and it would change, but until that happens no. All right. So my second one then is going to be speaking of pump the brakes, overreactive dynasty markets. So I changed this a little bit. My original thing was going to be about pumping the brakes on Levis, but pumping the brakes on Levis, I think is reflective of the idea that like, increasingly dynasty every year the markets are are overreactive it's essentially day trading now you know a lot a lot of people have you know the the analogy of uh you know dynasty to the stock market which is a pretty apt analogy right um in many ways and I, i at this point we're day trading or a lot of people are day trading um i think we bring people up and down the rankings too quickly but it becomes this vicious cycle because we have to overreact because the markets are overreacting, right? So like, you know, shooting Levis up to like quarterback 12, quarterback 14 might be true in the sense that like his price in the market is that right now. But is that what is that really reflective of where you rank him when you consider other factors, right? And so that's just one example. But we're doing that with everybody, I think. And listen, if that's your thing and you have the time to go in there and in your 20 leagues, make a million trades based on these highly volatile fluctuating markets that are essentially like KTC on steroids, right? Um, And if, if, you know, and buy the dips and all that, fine. Me personally, I don't have the time, desire or energy to go into my 40 plus leagues and deal with this nonsense, right? Um, very regrettably, I actually have an investment portfolio. I'm one of the few communists who actually has capital. <laughs> it's because I got I, I won a lawsuit where my ankle got shattered, right? And I had I had this money sitting around, and it's like, well, let's maybe try to grow it so I can retire. And I have like 21 different screens on like things I I won't allow my guy to invest in. And it's basically like, you know, like justice oriented things. Right. Yeah. You know, and and so it really limits the the, the growth of it. Right. And um, but all that to say, I, I slow roll with that. 
me and him, we slow roll with that. We don't day trade with that. It's just like, look, you know, it's there. It's going to grow at a certain rate over a certain amount of time. Maybe there'll be a little bit there for me to, to augment my retirement if I don't keep dipping into it to pay the bills now, which is what I, which is what I'm doing. And it pisses my guy off. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, like I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Anyway, that's how I look at dynasty. I, I am a little, I know that I'm slower to react than some people. And sometimes I'm right. And sometimes I'm wrong, but you know, I, I don't know. I think in the end, you know, 55% to 45% bets, you know, like I'll win more of them then I'll lose. And like, so I traded Will Levis after the first game for uh, Pop Douglas in two seconds. Right now in a couple weeks after, after he shreds Tampa Bay this week, is he maybe going to be worth, I don't know, a first and a second, you know, a first and two seconds. Yeah, maybe. Right. But my conviction on the player is that, fairly soon that price is going to go back down because he's not going to, he's not going to perform. You know, the league's going to get tape on him. They're not going to play vanilla defenses. They're going to realize under pressure, he's not really good. And if he doesn't improve, you know, then that's dangerous. You know, um, his footwork 10 weeks into the season is still bad. I mean, yep. you know, under pressure, small sample size, but still under pressure, he's still bad which was one of our biggest concerns about him. So I know I'm like dumping on Levis, but the idea here is that I'm really sick of these overreactive, you know, dynasty markets that are day trading and I'm out. Like I know I'm slower than everybody else and that's okay. So you're not wall street bets. You're more of the slow investment, let it grow over time instead of trying to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even. Is that that the Reddit that like pumped up AMC or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Game GameStop. Yeah, I got in on that back in the day. It was fun. Uh, But no, I agree. It comes in waves, and I think this little Levising is a wave, and you just kind of got to ride out, ride out the wave, and trust your analysis of the player, and just wait for it to correct itself back to normal, like you said. So I think that's a a good way of putting it, because you know stocks go up and down, but portfolios like the Dow it's steadily going up consistently without those major drops. So yeah, I like that. Let's see. Um, but also Richard uh, Lev still isn't accurate on his throws either. So he's got to do that and footwork and all that. So, yeah. And, and, you know, listen, he, he's had a couple good match. He's had D hop who can essentially mug people, you know, and not get called. I was going to say like, OPI, he, right. He, like, come on, like, let's, let's, you know, let's be real here. Yeah, I was watching that. I was like, this is the ultimate karma to watch Will Levis just come and just shit on the Falcons like this. And I was like, because all the shit I've talked about him on yeah. the show and on Twitter. So um, I'm going to go from one bad dynasty position to one that shouldn't be as bad as people think it is. And that's the, di- the tight end position. And in a sense, I think the tight end position in dynasty especially is uh, is a deep position. And the main reason I say that is and I've talked about this before, like the tight end output is so small outside of the top five to seven players. Like the difference between tight end eight and tight end thirty is minimal, especially in a in like leagues where you're scoring 150, 200 points. Tight end nine this year is Jake Ferguson. He's averaging 11.3 points per game. Tight end 30 in points per game this year is Pharaoh Brown with five. So you're really the difference between that is six points per game. And I just, 
I think it really changes how we got to draft tight ends. You either shoot for a top five guy because they're those guys are the ones that are actually game changers and they're the ones that give you the biggest uh, advantage of that position. But if you don't get one of those, just wait and get two or three guys that you know will get you 7-11 points with maybe some upside like the Njokus and some of these other guys. I just – when someone gets hurt, also we've been talking about injuries. The tight end position, if your tight end goes down, you can throw someone in unless you have Travis Kelsey. It's not going to be a huge hit. Like Noah Gray is still averaging, I think, seven points a game with Kelsey there. So mm-hmm. it's not as big of an impact on your roster – I've got leagues where I got three or four tight ends and I've played them all and I haven't felt like I've been at a disadvantage yeah. in any of them. And I don't have too many top tier tight ends and the ones I do, my, I'm not doing as good. So it's just changing how I draft tight end because the gap between eight and 30 is six points. Yeah. I think there's been a lot of people on board that like either get at the elite ones or, or don't for, for a while now. And I, I struggle with this because I I think it's smart in the sense that like what it tells me is don't overpay for like that next run rung down, you know, like the Kittles and Goddard's and Friars and and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, And even Evan Ingram. Right. But like, I don't know, but how, how, how many of those tight ends are like the really good ones now? Because when you sprinkle in Laporta and when you sprinkle in Kincaid's coming on now, like, I don't know. How many, right? How many are the like gotta get them or just or just bail? Like, like how many quarterbacks are in the circle of trust, right? Like, uh, but I will say this. I recently, when I shuffled up my rankings, the tiers don't show up on the dynasty rankings on going for two.com. I have a tier that's literally tight end eleven to tight end twenty-three. Yeah. Because I think it's it's just that flat, right? Like, you know, Trey McBride's up there at eleven. Greg Dulcich is down there at 23 because, you know, when he's back on the field and, you know, has a competent, you know, coaching that like can utilize him, I think he can be really good, you know, and, and maybe that's a stretch, right? Cause he's basically been a non-factor this season, but like, I don't know, I got Darren Waller at 20, John U. Smith at 19, right? Like, um, Njoku at 16, like, are they, are they really like the light years behind Trey McBride, Michael Mayer, Luke Musgrave. Like, no, like it's just a really flat. So like, is it, so it's calling it deep, I think is one way to look at it. Right. Because like, you know, um, it might be a little top heavy, but your options in rounds 11, 13 of a startup draft aren't materially different from your, your options in round six, seven. Right. Yeah, and the drop-off from starters, like, you lose McCaffrey. Oh, I got Jordan Mason, Elijah Mitchell. Like, yeah, you mm. still get 12 points a game, but you're not getting the 30. You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's a lot bigger drop-off with quarterbacks, especially, like, Bajan behind fields and mm. DeVito. It's like – so it's – Myer Smith is my fourth tight end. It's coming to look pretty good now with all these injuries. Right, yeah. So, like, if Ferguson were to, whatever, break his femur, like, are Hendershot and Shoemaker going to be a huge drop-off? Probably not, no. right? And I think a lot of teams are set up that way, whereas that's not yeah. true at some other positions. Yeah. All right, so my third – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I forgot I'm going to touch on this later. It's kind of getting the, to be the same in running back, but I'll expand on that more a little bit later. So my third point is going to be about wide receivers. You mentioned Chase being wide receiver one. 
I've had them like that for a while. Um, but here's my tier now. Chase is tier one, and A.J. Brown, J. Jeff, and Lamb are tier two. They're all the same. Uh, I have J. Jeff mixed in there, not just because like he's not scoring points now and that sort of thing, but even if Cousins Achilles was fine, he's going to be the starting quarterback for Atlanta, Tennessee, San Francisco next year. He ain't going to be a starting quarterback for Minnesota. And I don't know that their path to getting a good one is is all that clear. So when I think of Chase and just the great talent and athlete that he is tied to Joe Burrow, and then I think of A.J. Brown tied to Jalen Hurts, right? And and really showing that like he's the guy there. It's not a really a one A and one B with Devontae Smith, right? And when I think about um, you know, uh Lamb and what he's producing, and you know, Dak's contract might be up in two years or whatever, but is that really all that big a difference from Jefferson's situation where Cousins has the Achilles and he's not coming back anyway? I don't know. So for me. It's Chase, not just wide receiver one, but in his own tier. And then AJB, Justin Jefferson, and Lamb in that order in tier two. Um, I don't know how hot takey that is. I will say this, though, by Kirk Cousins, because as much as I, you know, Achilles are Achilles, he wasn't rushing. Um, it is his plant foot, it's his right, you know, but he's going to sign a contract, like a one or two year contract and be a starting quarterback for a good team with an offense that fits him, probably San Francisco. Goodbye, Brock Purdy. And, you know, so buy him while you can. Yeah, I like – I like. let me pull this shit up real quick. I wrote a few things down. So my tier, my tier for wide receiver has been the same since the season started. And I've been – before this year, especially even going into last year, once he went to the Eagles, I had AJ Brown as wide receiver three. He hasn't moved no matter what goes on. I've and the, the tier is the same for me. I have one tier. It's Chase Jefferson and Brown, and I've had Brown in the same tier as him just because I've always liked his ability to be a target hog. I was just I almost put him down because Devontae Smith, but he's starting to actually take over from Devontae Smith and push him down a little just because he's demanding targets and rewarding Jalen Hurts for throwing him the ball. So I don't think that's a hot take at all, having Jamar Chase in a tier of his own. I haven't done it yet, but that's a pretty good argument with Kirk Cousins being gone. You know, Josh Dobbs is competent, but he's not a good at throwing the ball deep and he's not going to help them lose games to get a good quarterback. So like you said, they're, they're going to be middle of the road and that's not a good way to get Drake May, Caleb Williams, or even some of these other guys coming I will, out. I will say this though. It's, it's very possible that it's even worse for Jordan Addison because not only is he a different kind of receiver that probably thrives from having an alpha there, but he's stuck now on his rookie contract in that situation where we don't know who the quarterback is. Jefferson yeah. can leave if he wants, right? Yeah, and that's frustrating because the week right before the Kirk Cousins injury and in my one Debbie league I'm in, it's my most expensive league. I, I'm in a win now, and I've traded for Jordan Addison and traded my first-round rookie pick and my first-round Debbie pick next season for Jordan Addison, and then Kirk Cousins gets hurt the next game. Mm. So it's, it's unfortunate, but he's a good young talent. But, yeah, it's – 
I was very, I was a little upset after that. So, yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't have any issues with that. I, I love the AJ Brown love. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it's my turn. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna save the running backs for last. Let's just, and this is mostly me yelling at myself on this one. We need to quit the ageism when it comes to wide receivers. You know, I've just kind of jumbled in running backs and wide receivers. Uh, once you hit 26, 27, you're dust. But looking at the guys, especially at wide receiver, it's a completely different position than running backs, different injuries, you know, different longevities. I didn't put make that into enough into my equation. But just to spell it out, we got Tyreek Hill is 29, Diggs is 29, Keenan Allen's 31, Thielen's 33, Mike Williams 29, Evans 30, Devontae Adams 30, Hopkins 31. All these guys are in the top 24 in fantasy points per game. Cup you know, before Mike Stafford Williams. injury, right? You know. Yeah, no, even him, absolutely. It's like I these guys are vital to winning dynasty championships, especially in year one, unless you're just completely tanking, but even then they still hold some value. You know, it I think it really highlights the importance of getting young wide receivers early, you know, maybe rounds one through four. And then mixing in some veterans who can help you win in year one, like the Hopkins, uh, Mike Williams, even Thielen now, Keenan Allen, you could all get rounds five or six. Um, and then waiting on running backs. And most of the guys I listed have probably at least two, maybe three to four years of production, barring injury. I don't know about Thielen, but the rest of those guys, I have a good feeling will be wide receiver twos or threes or for another two or three years. And I personally was passing them up for taking shots at Jahan Dotson's, these other young guys who just are not they, – they might produce over time, but the next two or three years are not, I don't think, going to have the same output as some of these other guys. Yeah, so. I mean, when we think about some of the guys being taken in rounds two and three of Dynasty, but also just especially redraft this year, guys like Alave and Waddle and T. Higgins, you know, kind of stand out as, like, not really meeting – you know what we, what we want Devontae Smith right what we yeah. wanted or expected from them um that's a good point right like it's the old guys who have been who have been producing and um I when I reshuffled my rankings I have Hill and Diggs you know in that same tier now with Garrett Wilson Chris Olave and mm-hmm. Amon Ra you know and um you know I think I'm a little uh low on Cup and Adams uh quarterback situations age things like that you know yep. added into what's going on so like i'm a little lower on them but um so i'll take those young guys that have been disappointing before i take those two but even then like if i'm if i'm competing and i need to buy points like you know cup's probably pretty cheap right now and and yep. matt stafford um it's not like he's going to be gone for the whole season right so <clears throat> but speaking of jordan addison before um we have a, a trade question here are we trading Swift for Addison and Stevenson? If this is um, dynasty, hell yeah, I'm doing that. Um, because I still think Stevenson, you know, it's 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 really interesting when you take like the name away and you look at like his finishes. He's been like, you know, not as much as we drafted him for in redraft, but he's been like a solid RB2 in a lot of the weeks that, yeah. that you started him, right? And so, and he still may improve or or have good weeks in the second half of the season you get the young you get the young wide receiver and and, and you, you you trade a run yeah I, I'll, I'll do that what do you think no i agree uh kendrick Bourne being out you know they 
Pop Douglas is getting some more looks, but at the same time, they started throwing Stevenson the ball more, and that's really where he got his value when he was, you know, a top 12, top 20 uh, running back. I would do it, honestly, even in redraft. Addison hasn't completely fallen off a cliff yet. I don't think he will with Jefferson out. I think there will be enough volume with Dobbs to where they don't really have anyone else to throw to besides Hawkinson. So, Dynasty or redraft, I would trade Swift for that because they still got Gainwell and the best running back on the roster, Rashad Penny. So, and I think, um, <laughs> nice one. <laughs> I think, let's see here. So, after some big weeks, um, week seven against Miami, Swift had 10 and a half points. Um, I think this is half PPR that I pulled up. Uh, uh, against Washington, I had 14.4, and then against Dallas, had 9.4, right? Um, you know, I don't know. Is that is that a trend? Yeah. Like, is it more of like mixing in Gainwell? Is it more like, well, you know, we're not we're we're you know we're we're having success throwing to AJ Brown. We don't need to. Whatever the case may be, we're seeing we're seeing Swift maybe come back to earth a little bit. Well, I think a lot of it. Jacob Gibbs from CBS and Sportsline. I saw him talking about it on a podcast. How his missed tackle rate has gone down substantially over the yeah. last like three or four games. So. I don't know if it's he just hasn't been used like this in a while. He's not used to this volume or what, but he's turning into DeAndre Swift. He's turning it into the, yeah. the DeAndre yeah. Swift that Detroit was like, eh, he can't really run the ball as much as we thought. Yeah. But he's good in the passing, you know. Yeah. yeah. All right. So my fourth point then is gonna be I'm intrigued by Rasheed Rice. I know it's not a hot take and like he's getting a lot of buzz, but um 0.28 targets per route run, which means 28% of the routes he's running, he's getting a target, um, which is tied for the fifth highest score, fifth highest like number uh, among any wide receiver who's run 75 or more routes, right? Um, but he's only run a route on 38.4% of Mahomes' dropback. So it's a 38.4% route participation, right? And I get completely that like if it's not Tyreek Hill we really can't trust Kansas City wide receivers and I get that in in, in Andy Reid's tenure right it's not like excuse me um fantasy wide receivers were surprising studs like the studs were studs because they were studs you know you know and when he didn't have studs they weren't studs um here's here's the big but but I think we have a guy who had some raw talent who I think him adapting from a group five group of five school to the Casey offense is going a lot smoother than it did for Sky Moore. And he's tied to Patrick Mahomes. Like the people who have that target rate, like are, you know, uh, like the targets per route run that are around him, right. Are, um, you know, like guys like Devontae Adams, Amon Ross St. Brown, Puka, right? Uh, AJ Brown, Waddle, Deontay Johnson, Keenan Allen, right? Like, so, I mean, that, that targets per route run paired with Mahomes and second round draft capital, I'm intrigued. And let me also add an addendum to this. I'm also intrigued by Quentin Johnston. As much as I was... Johnson, Johnson. As much as I was poo-pooing him 
before the draft. And I still think he's not the prospect that a lot of people thought he was. I think people are perhaps liking Rice too much and hating QJ too much. Like, like my takes are now like, whoa, whoa, pump the brakes. Like I liked Rice, but now everybody likes Rice too much. And I didn't like Johnson. Everybody hates Johnson too much. And I'm like, pump the brakes. And the reason is kind of similar in that um, before the Mike Williams injury, he was getting the, he, his targets per route run was high. They were, they were trying to come up with ways to get him the ball. Right. And I think having the Mike Williams and Josh Palmer injuries has thrust him into a situation where it's above where his development level is now. I also think that there's been some really good critiques of Kellen Moore out there as not being this like, you know, whiz that, that uh, was, that is really, you know, adding this dynamism to the, uh, to the LA uh, Chargers offense. And they're still not really using him in ways that he probably should be used. Right. Like he's not Mike Williams. He's a guy where you throw it, you know, drag routes, you throw, you throw, throw it to him on drag routes and let him do his yak. That's where he's good. Right. He may develop into more than that, but I think if used correctly, and targeted more tied to Justin Herbert. I'm intrigued by him almost as much as I'm intrigued by Rasheed Rice, who's getting a lot more buzz. Yeah, coming in, I can't remember exactly what episode it was, what we talked about, but I talked about Rasheed Rice and how I was a little higher on him than consensus during the rookie drafts and all that. I was taking him and Jaden Reed and early to mid second rounds instead of the tank Bigsby's and the Charbonnets. So I actually have a good bit of Rasheed Rice and it's honestly more frustrating than if I didn't have him (laughs) because I watch the games and I see, you know, you look at the stats. I was on actually real quick. I was on JWB with Wyatt and Skyler two weeks ago and we talked about Rasheed Rice and I brought up, you know, the targets per route runs just barely under Travis Kelsey's, but he's just now being on the field for like 60% of the snaps um so it's frustrating because watching the games he is open a lot of the routes he runs but travis kelsey is also open and Mahomes throws at travis kelsey which is understandable so Mm -hmm. it's frustrating i want them to design plays to get him the ball and they did the last game they threw him a screen for a touchdown so i think they're starting to do that um but yeah i'm excited uh this is kind of what i hoped would happen and going a little bit better than i expected honestly so i hope it just keeps going this direction because i I like rasheed rice i liked what i saw from him in college too i mean i have them ranked very very close now the the two the two wide receivers one because uh, like yes positive up and the other because you know negative down uh and, and dropping i've got um i got I got Johnston at 41 and Rice at 42, but like whatever, it's the same tier of like 39 to 48. So, I mean, I don't know. Like I probably – who would you who would you want to bet on for the rest of their career as having the better career, Rasheed Rice or Quentin Johnson? I think Rasheed Rice. I've seen more profiles like Quentin Johnson come in, you know, the Josh Dotsons and some other guys like this who are physical specimens but can just cannot – aren't out consistent playing time. So I think Rasheed Rice, even if he's just mid his whole career, is going to be more steady and more better overall than Quentin Johnson. So uh, I'm going to uh, – Scott Barrett, Fantasy Points, uh, mm-hmm. tweeted out um, three wide receivers who first-round draft capital 
but also had lower than the 10th percentile on the three cone drill. It's really, there's been like three of them. Yeah. It's, it's Johnston, like Jalen Rieger and uh, Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, Kelvin Benjamin oh. turned into a tight end at the end of his career just to stay in the league. So yeah, I, the three cone drill was very important to me. It's one of the reasons I like Tate Dell so much and JSM too, just because they were really good in that. Okay, Quentin Johnston or Traylon Burks? <sighs> Similar that's, big athletic raw taking a while to develop. That's tough. I have Traylon Burks higher, but I haven't gone through and done a full dive of my dynasty rankings. I mean, they should people we talked about. Mm-hmm. It's close. I think I still might take the shot on Traylon, but it's very, very close. That's kind of a tough decision because he's hurt again. You know who's dropped into this group for me too? A guy I, I love and I'll take the L. Christian Watson. And yeah. it, it, oh, basically, yeah. it's it's a it's a Jordan Love thing. Like like they need a quarterback before I can like be be excited about Christian Watson again. You know, I tried trading for Christian Watson, and I offered – I'm going to shout out Zach from also going for two, Zach Pulaski. Uh, I tried to trade Christian Watson from him, and he has him in, I think he said, 20-something of his 20-something dynasty leagues. There's only one league he doesn't have Christian Watson. So, I just hope Zach's okay. Shout out, Zach. Hope you're doing all right. <laughs> I, I'm sure it, <laughs> I'm sure the uh, world ranks – He's a Packers fan, though. So. Pickleball player is doing, is doing just fine uh. – on his weekends playing uh, playing pickleball. What's your fifth and final uh, uh, point here? I think it's going to match well with my fifth and final one. Yeah, this is one where I'm kind of patting myself on the back a little because I was kind of in the minority on this coming into the year, and it was has nothing to do with the talent. But I think we need to kind of look at how we evaluate rookie running backs, especially the ones that come in to a team with especially a younger guy who's – already has a defined role and is shown to be productive. And, you know, I thought I'd only be talking about Tank Bigsby and Zach Charbonnet, but I'm also going to throw B. John Robinson into this mix because he's mm-hmm. not had the same role we expected. Um, so I'll start with Tank Bigsby. He was projected to kind of come in and eat into ETN's role, maybe come in as a passing down back because ETN, his rookie year did not look good catching the ball. And he even admitted he was nervous when he thought he'd be getting a target. It's not happened yet. Not even really close. Which Tank Bigsby didn't really do himself any favors in the first few games. You know, he basically handed the ball to the other team and then fumbled. I think he's still going to be good. He had a pretty good week one, especially from a usage standpoint. And then he had that like really weird fumble thing. And then like it's been crickets. Yeah. So so I need to take an L on this because my whole thing was he's going to eat. He's not better than Etienne, but he's going to eat into Etienne's high value touches. Yeah. And while I. Well, you know, I took my position I did. I also thought there's a good chance I'm going to be wrong on this. And I still could be in the long term. But even Charbonnet, he was even higher on boards than Tank Bigsby. Thought he'd come in and just be the passing down back with Kenneth Walker. Maybe even come in on the goal line because Kenneth Walker wasn't efficient. I mean, he's he started to see an increase in the work in the past two or three games. But I think that's more to Kenneth Walker being banged up than him just being better. And then the touch on Bijan before I wrap it all up. Bijan was expected to come in, be in the workhorse. I'm I haven't moved him out of RB one in Dynasty. I'm not worried about that. But I think we do need to use it to kind of evaluate how we uh, evaluate people coming in. He was expected to come and be the workhorse, and Tyler Algiers getting all the goal line work. 
while Arthur Smith is saying he's a really good goal back, while the stats say he's one of the worst. So, you know, this has been a weird year. I'm just going to make this little side point. But there's one thing everyone can agree on and one thing that stayed consistent. Fuck Arthur Smith. He's the most hated <laughs> head coach in all of football right now. Right. Yeah. And that's one thing we can all come together on. Yes. So wrap this up. I think it seems like the league is wanting a solid insurance policy at the running back position, given the volatility and just general turnover and teams not wanting to pay big contracts for guys for three or four years. Cause they might not make it that far because the injuries. So they're either a doing, putting people directly into a committee like Dijon. He's on the field a lot, but he's not getting a lot of touches it's going to help ease the workload, make him better long-term, which I don't disagree with Arthur Smith on that. I just wish he'd get some goal line touches and not give the ball to Algiers so much. Or Drew Smith, Dynasty yeah. 1 Yeah, hand him the ball in the red zone, see what happens. Uh, they actually had a – instead of giving it to Bijan Robinson, they gave an end around to Johnny Smith for a loss of two yards on the two-yard line. Or – they're just going to run the guy in front of them cheap on their rookie contract, run them into the ground and move yeah. on. And it's going to be the next guys up. So Charbonnet and Bigsby still have value moving forward. I think we just need to move them back a little bit because especially if they're coming in where guys in the lead role still on a rookie contract, those guys are still going to get used more because it just makes sense for how the league's moving, how they're viewing running backs, not wanting to pay them. We'll just use them while they're on the rookie contract and then use the other guy for a year or two still on theirs and just keep doing that. So I think I just think we need to reevaluate how uh unless you're Devon A chain running eight yards of carry, <laughs> it's not worth paying up for it, in my opinion. Yeah, and and I think what you're when you talked about uh trickle down, you know, earlier in the episode, and really it's just a tri- it's 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 how are we adapting, how is it trickling down? from the way the NFL now approaches running backs, right? And I think you're really seeing it also now with this 2024 class where, like, when you throw on top of the fact that there's not, like, elite running backs at the top and throw on top of that what the NFL is doing with running backs, you know, you're going to see guys like whatever, you know, um, Braylon Allen and, you know, Blake Corum and, like, they're not going to be – like late firsts maybe in rookie drafts, you know, because we, we know what the limitations and we know now, you know, that like the role just isn't there for, for, for guys, for most guys, you know, yeah. the, the expanded role just, just isn't there. And so, you know, that kind of dovetails with my <clears throat> fifth and final point, And that's uh, ill gross running backs. I hate them all and it all sucks and ill gross running backs make me sad. <laughs> so, um, I have so because of Arthur Smith, I, I you know I have Bijan still at number one, but now in the same tier as Brees Hall, CMC, and, and JT. Yeah. Um, and I look at my running back rankings, and essentially, I just I, I just throw up and vomit. I don't want any of them. I poke holes in every single one of them because there's holes to poke. And I don't want any sort of high value running backs on my roster if I'm not, you know, uh, competing or or competing like the following year. And um, I we we might as well now just treat running backs like redraft. Like I don't want them unless I'm competing. And if I do, I want the guys producing yep. now. Treat it like redraft, right? 
And I think it's one of the reasons why I've been slower to pull some guys up and why I still stubbornly have like a guy like Austin Eckler as RB7 or Saquon as RB9. Because, like, yeah, Joe, I mean, like, it, it's like it, it, we might as well just treat running back like redraft. Like, it's yeah. just, it's disgusting. I hate it. Like, I look at my ranks and I want nobody, right? Bijan is being Arthur Smith, Brees Hall is being Zach Wilson. Um, Christian McCaffrey, he's he's put up some big weeks here and there. But, like, you know, those spike weeks are, are putting a lot of cologne on an otherwise, like, you know, pretty decent RB1 season. And he's only getting, like, four targets a game. Like, when he yeah. was in Carolina, he was getting eight, ten targets a game. Like, he's not getting that in San Francisco, right? JT, right? You know, okay, he held out. Um, you know, has Moss, uh, it, you know, at least as a competent, you know, back that's going to, that's gonna you know, limit the, the touches. Uh, he's, he's also getting Minshewed, right? Like he doesn't have Richardson with him. Jameer Gibbs is, you know, listen, I, you know, he exploded for those 152 yards. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what the split is, but like the Detroit lions aren't like going to forget about David Montgomery. Right. Uh, so he's in a split Etienne again, he's had some spikes. He's had some long runs. He's, he's had a lot of touchdown cologne, but you know, and he's, and he's, been involved you know in the receiving game a little more than 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 we than we expected right but like when you look at at like week to week consistency and rush to rush consistency it's it's not it's not what you'd like and and there's still a opportunity for you know the high value touches to to be taken by tank there's still you know the fact that um you know the offense has is feeding you know Ridley and Kirk right so Austin Eckler, age and injury, right? And he's getting Kellen Moore. Achan hurt now. And honestly, like I like him, but and, and I've certainly come around to like him more. But I mean, if you take him out of that system and put Ty J Spears in it, can Ty J Spears do 70% of what Achan is doing? Oh, yeah. Probably, right? Saquon Barkley, age, injury, Daniel Jones hurt. Uh Kenneth Walker, uh, his efficiency has improved a little bit this year. But he's still not great. He's still a home run hitter. That that uh, I saw this chart recently where um, it was like percentage of times the running back runs to the hole that the play wasn't supposed to be, and then how effective it is on those plays. And Seattle's like in that part of the graph where you don't want to be, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's Kenneth Walker, and he's got Charbonnet eating at his heels. Josh Jacobs is like I don't know, is he expensive? Joe Mixon. Right. He's he's coming on. He's got a, a good role. He's got a lot of touches, but the offense sucks. And he's been Aiden O'Connell. Uh, Javante Williams, again, coming on. Efficiency is improving. Performance is improving. But Jaleel McLaughlin's there and he's getting patent and rust. Um, Tony Pollard. Right. Uh, you know, his efficiency is down with his increased volume. The offense isn't using him well. He's getting Mike McCarthy and not used in space as much as he as much as he should be. And the team is choosing to pass more. DeAndre Swift, we just talked about him kind of coming back to earth. Joe Mixon, great offense, great role, but age and inefficiency. He's like he's disgusting. Do you really want to? I mean, is it love is it fun to click on to click on Joe Mixon? Monty in a split. Pacheco, efficiency improving, receiving improving. But, you know, the role will always be limited on the KC offense for running backs like that. Ramondre Stevenson, we talked about him. Derrick Henry, age, declining team. Um, James Cook. I go on and on and on. I'm poking a hole in – that's, that's just my top 20 right there. Right? Like, get below that and there's even more holes. I hate them. I don't want them. But at the same time, I need 
twice as many of them on my roster as I do wide receivers because of the way the NFL is. So there's my rant. I hate running backs. No, that's that's fair. One of um, one of the full tilt dynasty leagues we did. I decided to draft a bunch of dusty running backs like Joe Mixon's, Derrick Henry's. That's one of my best leagues because there's my starting running back because I think I got Jameer Gibbs and then just waited and got guys in the 10th through 12th rounds who were just nobody wanted to touch in Dynasty, yeah. but mm-hmm. they're in my lineup while these other guys are not. So I'm I'm excited to do some startups already for next yeah. year just to mm-hmm. see just to do things different and just kind of see how it would turn out. Because right. like you said, if if I'm not competing, I don't want running backs on my rosters that are playing right now. Right. And the, and the idea with startups this year was like, oh man, you know, the running backs are falling. There's value there. But like, is, I mean, is there value there? Because like, okay, I get X player in the, you know, whatever, two rounds past ADP. He's still a running back, still a committee. There's still volatility with the injuries. Like, like, what am I getting two rounds past ADP? Yeah. You know? Like Yeah. In in the in the not GF two staff league that I commish, it's one of the reasons why I made only one running back position. Because yeah. like I look I don't want to have to start two or two or more running backs in, in a fantasy anymore because I can't unless we do this hot take revolutionary thing. Every league having at least 0.25 points per carry and Dipping scoring back down to half PPR to reflect the pass-heavy nature of the NFL because PPR is now an overcorrection and will therefore increase the value of running backs. I'm down for anything that changes like that. But yeah, that that not a going for two staff league. My entire four flex positions are running backs. Weirdly enough, because we got on after it's like I'm surprised people drafted this many running backs. I got Rashad White, Kareem Hunt, Josh Jacobs in my flex spots. Mm-hmm. And it's better than anyone else, so it's yeah. it's definitely a weird year. It's weird. It's just, it's really just ugh. like is this football now? Like, yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. Well, we hey, we gotta adjust as the game does. Try yeah. to stay out of it. Yeah. All right. Well, we each did our five. That's where we're at so far with our midseason musings and what we might do going forward based on how disgusting and awful everything is this year. <laughs> Now I have to, now I have to go finish building my DFS core and uh, vomiting with uh, you know relying on Sam Howell and Brock Purdy for my riches. Uh, hey, get is, you a Will Levis lineup in there. All right, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on the Going for Two Live audio feed. Please make sure here on the YouTube channel you subscribe, like the video, comment. Notifications turned on. All the things feed the algorithm monster what it must be fed. Uh, Time for plugs. Josh, what's up? Yeah, you can find me tweeting on X at Rotonaut, R-O-T-O-N-A-U-T. I haven't been tweeting much because Notre Dame sucks this year. The Braves lost in the playoffs. So I've just been depressed at home, not tweeting. But I'm going to get back on it. I'm working from home now, so I'm going to get more active on all that, keeping my rankings up. You can find Dynasty Rankings at goingfor2.com. And check out our uh, channel in the Going For Two Discord. Yeah. You can talk to me and Brian directly, ask us questions, tell us how awful we are, whatever. 
you can get in that Discord by going to goingfor2.com and click on the little purple thing in the bottom right. Uh, goingfor2.com is where Josh and I and other people have our dynasty rankings. I have some articles there. Haven't really been writing in season. I might do something toward the end of the year kind of similar to this. Like, okay, we vomited over all this sadness in 2023. What do we do now? Like, how do we find an edge? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FFJunkie underscore. Also, uh, Dynasty Fever Podcast at Dynasty Fever Pod. It's audio only. We've also similarly had to take a lot of breaks this year and really only did one episode in, in, in week seven, and we're going to try to come back and finish strong. Because um, now, pretty soon, it's, okay, let's talk about the 2024 rookies, right? So, uh, yeah, so that's where you can find all, all our stuff. Going for two, family of content. Uh, Discord has a million channels, including one for our show and other shows. We have pretty much a podcast uh, live pretty much every day or night of the week for you. Um, um, you know, when we're <laughs> back on, it's every night, <laughs> you know, uh, we're not abandoning you on, on Saturday nights. But yeah, you know, um, have some fun with us. Dynasty, Redraft, DFS, all that jazz. Uh, go to, you know, Underdog and use the GF2 promo code, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's a wrap. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Are we... Yeah, go Irish. I still love them. (laughs) (laughs) Suck.